what do we say? Sola Scriptura. The Bible tells me about Jesus. What do we say? Sola gratia, only grace. We believe in the free and full and faithful love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. What did you think I was going to come to you and say? Sola fide. It is not by your works. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And it's not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And it's not by works. Did you think that Solomon was going to say something different? You can't be saved. By your works, you can't control your life by your works, good or bad. You're saved by grace. I just want to rain that on your heart. Let me do it for a second. I want to, I want to use the words of the preacher, Solomon, today. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaken.com. We have a scripture here from Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Here we are in the heart of the book. The preacher, Solomon, has these words to us. This is his gospel. I want to read it to you now. He says, In my vain life, I have seen everything. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness. And there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. Be not overly righteous and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this, and from that withhold not your hand. For the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. Wisdom gives strength to the wise, to the wise man more than ten rulers who are in a city. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. This is God's word. There's a lot here, and rest assured, we're going to get to it. But before we do anything else, what I think we have to do is talk about what these verses do. They put an elephant in the room. I remember when I was in college, it was when I was first reading the book of Ecclesiastes for myself. And when I read these verses, my eyeballs started bugging out of my head. Don't be too righteous, the preacher says. That's what he says in one verse. Don't be overly wicked either. 
That's what he says in the other verse. It produces, I'm sure you can understand this, very stimulating thoughts inside of all of us. The commentator, Walter Kaiser, sort of gets into that. He calls these verses susceptible. They are susceptible. They are vulnerable to all kinds of caricatures and misinterpretations and false teachings. They are susceptible, Walter Kaiser says. In the book of Ecclesiastes, if it was a computer, these are the verses that you would hack. If the book of Ecclesiastes were a locked house, these, this is the lock that you would pick. If, if the book of Ecclesiastes was your body, these are the verses that would find a break in the skin and infect you. These verses are radically susceptible to all kinds of spiritual mischief. Maybe you already suspect why. Don't be too good now, the preacher says. Don't be too righteous. That's what one verse says. Don't don't be too wicked either. Some people take these verses and and they build out a whole theology out of this. They call it the golden mean. They compare it to the other golden in the Bible. You all know what that is, right? The golden rule Jesus Christ our Lord taught us. The golden rule. He sums up the law and the prophets. He says, this is what it's about. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's the golden rule. And people come to this and they say, not only do we have the golden rule in the Bible, but we've got the golden mean. You don't want to be too righteous and you don't want to be too wicked. What you, want, you don't want to be on either end of the spectrum. You want to be right in the middle. Because if you're too righteous, you're going to go and get yourself whacked. And if you're too wicked, you're going to go, and go ahead and get yourself whacked. So you don't want to be too righteous and you don't want to be too wicked. You want to be right in the middle. They call it the golden mean. Now, if we were talking about something other than sin and righteousness, it might be right. I remember when I was growing up, my mom taught me the golden mean when it came to food. Don't eat too much and don't eat too little. Wisdom, right? When it comes to work, don't eat, don't eat too, you know, don't work too much and don't work too little. That's laziness. You want to be right in the middle. When it comes to alcohol, you have, you have two drinks, but you maybe don't have three. You want to be right in the middle. That's wisdom. That's the wise life. But here we are, and we're talking about sin and righteousness. And what it seems like, and what some people claim, is that what Solomon is doing is saying you, you want to be right in the middle. You, you, don't, you don't want to be a martyr now, do you? You don't want to be a good Christian amongst a whole bunch of unchristian people because then you're going to go ahead and get yourself murdered. And you don't want you don't want to be too wicked either because if you're too wicked then people are going to notice it and you're going to get stamped out. Is that what Solomon is saying? Of course not. So Why do so many people want to read these verses that way? Well, 
because we all want to. It's easier that way. You know, it's, it's easier that way. We, we, just, we just see what Solomon says. This is what Solomon says. Be moderate in your life. You don't want to be too righteous. You don't want it to be too wicked. What, 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 what we got to do then is engage in moderate sinning. I can do that. What's tougher to do is to actually read what he says. What's tougher to do is to be confronted by this reality. What does he say? He says, I've seen everything. I've seen both extremes. I've seen righteous people. And I've seen them die in his righteousness. And I've seen wicked people too, and they just keep on living in their wickedness. They have longevity, and the righteous person doesn't. It's much tougher to be confronted with that. Realize we cannot control our lives with our works, good or bad. That's what he says. He says, I saw Abel. Right? I saw Abel, the guy got murdered by Cain. I saw Uncle Harry. Uncle Harry was a good guy, you know? He was a good man. He went to church. He prayed to God. He died at 45 from a heart attack. And then I saw the guy at work. Hard living guy. Lived to 85. It's much tougher to be confronted with that. The preacher says that when we're confronted with that, that we're going to be tempted to go in one of two directions. We're either, A, going to try for more righteousness. We're going to try to out-able Abel. We're going to try to out-Uncle Harry, Uncle Harry. They must have been two biggest sinners. I'm going to be more righteous than them, and then I can stay alive. Or, he says, you're going to be like, Cain, and you're just going to say, you're going to throw in the tile, you're going to say, who cares, I can't control my longevity anyway, and you'll just flow into wickedness. And what the preacher says is don't. Don't. Don't do either one. Now, I think we can all understand why. People who are overly righteous are spiritual monsters. They are often angry, critical, and judgmental. Instead of loving you, they will judge you. Instead of guiding you, they will attempt to control you. Instead of giving you both love and truth, they will only give you a good talking to. They are spiritual monsters. 
they will not offer you mercy because they actually don't believe in mercy themselves. Don't be too righteous. I think I need to, for a moment, push you on that. I believe there's good reason why the preacher starts on that side of the spectrum, on that side of the pendulum. People who fear God, like we do, people who are sensitive to God's will, we're always probably going to be more tempted to that side of the spectrum. There was a study done a few years ago in this country where researchers went and they asked young people in this country what they thought Christians were like. Young people described Christians as angry, judgmental, and critical. Are they right? Pile on top of that this. I know one pastor who I respect who calls this the age of over-righteousness. Everybody's going off these days. They're popping off about how everybody else is dumber and more hypocritical and, and worse than I am. Have we fallen into it? Have we been over-righteous? Are the people right who tell the stories about Christians? That you can share your story in a bar and receive more mercy than if you shared your story before the mercy seat of Christ. Have we been too righteous? That's not to say we should swing the other direction and be too wicked. We all know that's a spiritual monstrosity too. But here's the bottom line. Both options are us trying to control our future. Both options are us trying to play God in our own lives. Now seeing that is key. That's the key. Seeing that both options are the same sin. They are the same sin of refusing in the heart to be God's child. Let's see if I can get you there. Normally, when you have a problem that deals with two extremes, you want to find the middle. You don't want to be on one extreme. You don't want to be on the other extreme. You want to find the middle. You, you don't want to eat too much, and you don't want to eat too little. You don't want to get overweight, and you don't want to be skinny as a, as, as, as a, as a bean. You want to be in the middle. You don't want to work too much. You don't want to work too little. You want to be in the middle. You want to just work hard. So normally... When you have a problem that's dealing with two extremes, you want to be in the middle, but you can't do that here. Because if, you, if, you, if the middle of over-righteousness and two wickedness is moderate sinning, 
then you give the green light to sin. And so what the preacher says is this. It's not find the middle of two extremes. He says, you come out from both of them. He says, you got to come out. And he says, this is how you come out. You fear God. The person who is a person of faith comes out from both of them. So you're not, a, you're not the kind of person who says, i got to be more righteous so I don't die, or it doesn't matter so I might as well be, be wicked. But you say, no. I cannot control my life with my works, good or bad. I'm going to come off the spectrum. I'm going to do the radical thing. And I'm going to be a person of faith. I'm going to entrust my life to God. That's the wise life. That is the wise life. That's what the preacher says. Such a wise life, he says, that when you live this life, it is a stronger life than if you had ten rulers in one city. Ten rulers, ten armies in one city. It's a strong life. It is the life of faith. And what the preacher says, by the way, is it's the only option we got. Only option we got is the life of faith. Only option we got. You know why? We're not righteous enough. Only option we got. Surely there is no one righteous, he says, who does what is good and never sins. One of the most important verses of the Bible, right there. The Bible says it everywhere. Surely there is no one righteous who does what is good and never sins. One of the most important verses in the entire Bible, you find it everywhere. You know where you find it even? And what some argue is the most important book of the Bible, the book of Romans. What does it say? Romans 1 through 3. The, one, of the, one of the big teachings that he's got here. Surely there is no one who is righteous who does what is good and never sins. Paul, the great apostle, is laying this down. He comes at you like a trial lawyer. He takes this truth and he just explodes it like dynamite in the Christian heart. He just comes at you. Can I do that for a moment? For the sake of grace? To push faith into your heart? Can I do it for a moment? I'm going to do it even if you say no. You who think slander... It's so bad. Do you slander? You who are so against the murder of others, have you murdered people in your own heart? You who claim to be oh so religious, how often do you pray? You, who say you love, do you also love mercy? You, who think that you are so righteous, 
Have you committed the egregious sin of rejecting the grace of Jesus in your heart? One of the most important authors in American history is a woman by the name of Flannery O'Connor. She happens to be in the pantheon of American great authors, actually one of the only Christian authors. She also is a Christian woman who lived in the South. She wrote a story that today so many people still study called Revelation. She writes a story about a good southern woman who goes to a doctor's office. This woman goes into the doctor's office, she plops down on a chair and she observes all the different people who walk in. People walk in and she has a comment about this person and a comment about that person, even if she's only narrating these comments to herself. But there's a little girl who's in the office with her who at first is just reading a book. Her name is Grace. Her name is Grace. Finally, after a while, Grace gets fed up with all the comments. And Grace takes her book and she chucks it at this good Christian woman, striking her right between the eyes on the forehead. They lock eyes and Grace says to her calmly but firmly, Go to hell, you old warthog. Sometimes the first thing that grace has to do in our lives is throw the book at us. That's what Paul did. He takes Solomon's little thesis, surely there is not a righteous man who does what is good and never sins and he blows it up and he intensifies it and he says, not even one. You know what I say to that? So come on out. Come on out of the spectrum. Come on out of the pendulum. The answer to two extremes in this case is not finding the middle. It's a whole new life. The life of faith in God. Is anybody here surprised? It's Reformation Sunday. Where did you think I was going to get? What do we say? Sola Scriptura. The Bible tells me about Jesus. 
What do we say? Sola gratia, only grace. We believe in the free and full and faithful love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. What did you think I was going to come to you and say? Sola fide. It is not by your works. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And it's not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And it's not by works. Did you think that Solomon was going to say something different? You can't be saved by your works. You can't control your life by your works, good or bad. You're saved by grace. I just want to rain that on your heart. Let me do it for a second. I want to, I want to use the words of the preacher, Solomon, today. Don't be too righteous as I tell you this. You got to stop it. You're not too good for the gospel. You need it. Same as everybody else. You're no saint. Not apart from the grace of Jesus. Don't be too righteous. And don't be too wicked. Do not say in your heart that you have outsinned the grace of Jesus. You haven't. Stop thinking so highly of yourself. You haven't. You are not the one sinner in all of history who is so egregious and so bad that you have outsinned the grace of Jesus. You haven't done it. Can you drink the ocean? Can you swallow the sun? <laughs> then why do you think that you can outsin the grace of Jesus? You may be a big, bad, egregious sinner, but you're forgetting something. Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection is bigger than your sin. Don't be too wicked for this. That's what Flannery O'Connor said too. At the end of her story of Revelation, she sees a vision of sinners ascending to God by grace. That's what Solomon says. The person of faith is going to come out from this. That's what Paul says. And that's what Jesus lived. You all know already that Jesus wasn't wicked. What maybe you haven't processed yet is that he was righteous, but not too righteous. He lived a righteous life, but he was also loving. He lived a righteous life, but he was also appropriately gentle. He took that life and he laid it down for those of us who haven't been. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him and you will neither have to be too zealous for your righteousness because you already have your righteousness nor will you have to obsess about your sin because you already know that you're forgiven. That's a good place to be in your life. It's a golden place to be in your life. 
Solomon, in closing, he shows you what a wonderful spiritual place this is to be. He gives you this heart-wrenching scenario. I can only think that it might be one of the most explosive situations you could, interpersonally speaking, at least that you could actually be in. He gives you this scenario. He imagines that you're in your own house with your own servant. And you overhear the servant say something nasty about you. They curse you. They badmouth you. That's the scenario. Now, if you're overrighteous, you know what you'd do. You'd go off like a bottle rocket. You'd let them have it. You'd have to. You're righteous. You have to. And if you're over wicked, you'd do the same thing, actually. Because you wouldn't care. You wouldn't care if you'd overdo it. You wouldn't care if you're being too punitive. You would just go off. Very explosive. But what happens if you live by faith? Solomon says this. He says, when you're in a scenario like that, don't take it to heart. See, that's what he cares about. He cares about you living by faith. He says, don't take it to heart. And then he gives you the rationale why. He says, because you yourself have done the exact same thing many times. You can't exactly get up on your high horse when you realize you've done the same thing. You, by the way, this helps you not only in dealing with other people, it helps you in dealing with yourself. You hear, you hear somebody say something nasty about you. What do you say? I already knew that. This isn't a surprise. I'm a sinner. Also, I'm not. In the blood of Jesus, which that person can't see, I'm not. Helps you when you're dealing with other people. Oh, it turns out they're sinners. <laughs> Just like you are. You can't be too punitive now, can you? Because if you do, you have to be punitive against yourself. You live as a person of faith. It reminds me of something that Luther once said. It's one of his sayings that's now been emblazoned on coffee mugs and on t-shirts, by the way. He once wrote, Sin boldly. It's one of those sayings that, as you can understand, can wildly go astray in somebody's heart. Not unlike what Solomon said here. But it's as the teachers of the church have told us for centuries. Just because somebody misuses something doesn't make it wrong to use. Just because some people abuse alcohol doesn't mean you can't use it at all. Use, misuse doesn't equal no use. So you have Solomon. I don't want him to 
rewrite this passage. I like it. It pushes us to thoughtfulness. Helps us see that God is God. And we are not. We're sinners. So don't be too righteous. But also don't throw in the towel. Don't just go off and sin like it doesn't matter. I think Luther would say sin boldly. That doesn't mean we accept sin. We don't. It doesn't mean that we're okay with sin. We're not. What it means is that we're not afraid of it. We are not afraid of it because we know that in Christ we are forgiven. So we're not afraid. We live our lives in faith in God who has given us Christ as our love and our grace and our forgiveness. And in love towards people as we find out every day who need just as much grace as we do. Happy Reformation, Christians. We are saved by grace. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, that through this teaching from Solomon, you have ripped us off the spectrum of works and you have called us to faith in God and his grace in Jesus. Help us by the power of your spirit to receive it in our hearts and to love people. It's through faith in Jesus and through faith alone that we can pray. Amen.